When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Pod on the Tyne, your go-to Newcastle United podcast, brought to you by The Athletic. Coming up on this week's show... Friday, I'm in love. Wood hits the net as Wolves are sent packing. Mad about the boy from Brazil. Bruno pulls the strings in sparkling full home debut. And trust issues that NUFC supporters trust sit down with the owners. Now they sit down with us. Yes, this is Pod on the Tyne. I am Taylor Payne. And with me today, flying solo, it's the Athletic Senior Writer, Mr. George Culkin. George, how are you doing? How the devil are you, boy? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, Chris is locked in a room somewhere, so um, so fortunately he isn't able, <laughs> For a change. Isn't, able to, uh, isn't able to join us. Yeah, I'm good. I'm still buzzing um, from Friday night. Um, obviously, we'll talk about that. Massive result. Yes. Massive, uh, massive three points. And very good, very good day off the pitch as well. With the supporters' trust meeting uh, Amanda Staveley and Murdad Gadusi, very excited to be speaking to uh, to Alex from the from the trust and True Faith a little bit later. And what about you? Is your hangover f- from Friday night finally subsided? Barely, barely subsided. I think every single person I knew who was going to the game was straight out after work on Friday night and ensured that they piled as much. Uh, liquid into them as they could before kick <laughs> and you could tell when the game actually started you could yeah, tell oh yeah, now, yeah i think yeah. there was a few hangovers kicking in around half time but like we said we'll get on to that in a little bit um you've been doing a bit of running again recently as well haven't you what happened there yes well so having having done the paris half marathon and the new york half marathon my uh the third of 10 this year uh 10 or more this year was running five times round a runway near York, and I can tell you it was Amazing. every bit as glamorous as it sounded. It was really that hard. Sounds... It was really tough. I'll be honest, I'm not massively keen on running anyway, but you could probably guess by looking at me. But you haven't exactly sold that to me as a hobby. It's funny. It's it's funny just how, <laughs> uh, I mean, training, I, I train on my own. I, I enjoy that. I like it. But that sort of race, the race day thing, it's amazing how having random strangers cheer you gives you a boost yeah. or having something to look at gives you a boost and this was just running around mm. the same <laughs> the same runway it was bizarre but yeah very tough very tough that one well potential training methods for Eddie Howe for the future <laughs> uh, anyway uh, <laughs> you can subscribe to The Athletic for just £1 a month for the first six months at the moment an amazing offer just go to theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod and you get full access to all our great writing as well as ad free versions of all The Athletic's podcasts that's theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. Sign up now. 
on you, Maggie's. Right then, George, Friday night. Wow, what an occasion. <laughs> a Friday night game, 8 o'clock kickoff. Wolverhampton Wanderers at St James's Park, and let's be honest, I don't think I've ever seen St James's Park as drunk as it was <laughs> on Friday night. It was something to behold. The Leasers Concourse was like the last days of Rome. It was ridiculous. <laughs> it was uh, it was it was a fabulous start, wasn't it? It was that. I mean, pre pre match, seeing uh, seeing the flags all up all around the stadium this time. Uh, War flags do, do such a brilliant job at St James's, but seeing all those flags. Including being waved by Dad uh, DC, which uh, which I'll, I'll uh, mention, and there's 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 something sort of um, there's something sort of quite poignant about that because I, I wrote about Wolves away versus Wolves at home. Yes, and Wolves away, of course, was the last last match of the Mike Ashley era, and I think in some ways the low point of this season because uh, it was just that game where the away end was flat. Newcastle lost. Steve Bruce said exactly the same as he'd said twelve months earlier, and I had loads of mates there. Uh, Alex was there, in fact, who we'll talk to in a bit. And you know, the, people came away from that game just not feeling any kind of hope whatsoever that this was going to be the way the club was going to be um, just going forward. Never, nothing changes, nothing happens, and really just that lack of any kind of energy. Massive apathy, and then of course four days later, what happened? You know, the takeover happens, and so by the time Wolves at home comes around, the you know, it's not like the league table is uh, heaven, but um, it's a good deal better than it was back then, and absolutely uh, just the whole atmosphere around the place. And so you've got you've gone from this position. I spoke to Thomas Concannon, our our friend, uh, for this piece because he was at he was at Leicester away, and he said uh, sorry Wolves away, and he said it was. You know, he said it was the lowest, uh, the quietest car journey home that he can remember. And of course, Thomas is involved with war flags. There was no war, war flags in the in the stadium back then. It's in James's back then. And of course, they filled it out. Oh, you know, filled it on Friday with one of the owners waving one of their flags. If you you, you can't get much more of a symbolic scene than that, can you? I mean, we've 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 had three. Three games in a row where we've lost, and and Newcastle really needed a response, didn't they? And uh, you know it wasn't a vintage game, was it? And it wasn't an amazing performance by any stretch. But the three points are really all that matters at the moment, and the league table looks a lot healthier because of it. Oh, it's massive. I do. I mean, I've thought for for a long time that Newcastle will be will be okay now. But mm. you get those three games, you get those three defeats. Very different types of defeat. But the the Spurs one was so very very bad yeah. that it does kind of make you question things a little bit. So I thought the Spurs game was a shock to the system. Yeah, I yeah. think there was a lot of people who who watched that and thought, oh shit, maybe we're not actually yeah. as coherent a team as we thought we were, and there is still some big problems there. You know, it, I think it was a massive shock to the system. Maybe it's given a few of them kick up the arse that they needed to, to get their stuff together. You know. Yeah, and I think internally at the club there was that there was a little bit of concern. I mean, I asked Eddie Howe about that before. Uh, before the match, and he sort of said, "No, it would be totally unacceptable if if there'd been even sort of one percent slacking off 
uh, within the dressing room. But I, I sort of think it's human nature in some ways that you have such a brilliant run that they had that perhaps even if it's just one percentage point of intensity, but you know, in the in the Premier League, you can uh, you can come a cropper. I mean, I was a bit. It's funny. I was a bit worried at half time because it had been a stop start. It had been a very stop start opening to the match. I do think that that meant that the atmosphere, as you said, maybe that was the hangover kicking in a little bit as well. Uh, <laughs> Which felt like it. I know minded around around about but, the forty fifth minute. But I couldn't see. I couldn't see Wolves being as bad as they had been in the first half and the second half. No. I mean, they're a good team. And I, I had a bit of a little conversation with someone on Twitter who was saying, I think this is Newcastle making them look bad. And I'm not sure. I mean, I think Newcastle have done that in the good run. Newcastle did do that a lot. I'm not sure about that on Friday. I just thought Wolves were really bad. And I, But I do think in the second half, Newcastle did do that. It was just such a... I mean, by the... You know, they were worthy winners. They were, you know, not comfortable winners without scoreline, but they deserved to win. And yet, just... An absolutely enormous three points, and um, you know you just can't see you can't see enough teams overhauling Newcastle now. So, and I think I think the odds are something like fifty to one for Newcastle to get relegated now. So, I mean, I think that's a I think that's a decent uh, sign of where they are. So, yeah, huge re- huge result and huge relief. I thought Wolves were disappointing as well on the night. I mean, obviously not disappointing from Newcastle point of view, but from a Wolves point of view, they were they weren't anything like the team that I was expecting to turn up. And and your man playing up front for them with a curly hair, uh, the lead singer out the strokes. So he, he barely had a kick, did he? Do you know what I mean? He he looked like he'd never considered the concept of football before, George. It was it it was one of those performances where I thought, are you? Do you know what this is? Do you know why you're here? He just didn't didn't look bothered. Is it Fabio Silva? I think his name is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and and. The football wasn't great, was it? But I have to say that moment of quality in the first half um, with that lovely sweeping move and Miguel Almiron with the most audacious cheeky bastard back heel that I think I've ever seen in my life. And unfortunately into an offside position and the, and the goal is disallowed. But there was a little flash there, wasn't there, of what what we were capable of? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, my, my concern was that maybe Newcastle just hadn't made the most of their dominance in the first half. It wasn't ever a sort of... Uh, you know, hugely convincing dominance, but um, because again, I just couldn't see Wolves being that that sort of lifeless. And then, in fact, you know, for the first five minutes of the second half, they were pretty good, and it was like, oh no. But Newcastle lifted gears, yes, and that was so impressive. And by the end, everybody had sort of played well. And uh, you know, we have to mention the Rolls Royce in the in the middle of the park, oh. don't we? Making his home debut. Oh, he was his full debut. He was fantastic, wasn't he? And and I mean, I've been saying it for a little while now. Little flashes of what he can do and what he's what he's capable of. And we've got some player on our hands there, mind. He is he is the real deal, isn't he? Bruno Gamarais. He, you know, and you're saying nobody really dominated, but he he put his stamp on the game, and he was all over the pitch. Um, he was absolutely on one, wasn't he? His, his full home debut as well, you know, but he looked like he'd been playing in that midfield for years. Um, some some fantastic play from him. A comment from uh, Robert F. in your in George's match day chat. He said, can we actually talk about Bruno now? Head and shoulders above anything in that centre midfield since Rob Lee and Gary Speed. Um, Johan Kabay might have a little nod in there as well because I thought he was a very good footballer. But he's some names he's been compared to there. Rob Lee, Gary Speed... Yeah, I mean, you know, they were both at time yet, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're they're you know they're two, they're two players I watched for years and years as you did, Taylor. And mm-hmm. you know, I love I love 
and love both of them. Um, yeah, you know, if, if he can get if he can get anywhere close to them, uh, then Bruno will have had an absolutely amazing career and at Newcastle, and hopefully Newcastle would have been very successful. I mean, it's very early to to be making that kind of thing, uh, you know, making that kind of comparison. We all, you know, we all, we all, we're all guilty of that kind of stuff. But I think the thing that excites me, and I've sort of said this for a while, is that, you know, he's the future. And I mean, at the moment, he's the present. So, um, you know, that's great. But what I'm trying to, what I mean by that is, can you imagine what it's going to be like when he has players of a similar caliber next to him? Yeah, absolutely. I'm not having a go at the players who are there now at all because they've been very important and, um, I've got a lot of respect and affection for this for this team. Tough though they've often found it, but you know, this he 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 has been brought to grow with the team and be part of this journey. You know, the journey he's talked about himself about Newcastle becoming a world class team that's capable of challenging things. That's the thing. You know, you just look at him on the pitch yeah. and think, oh my god. You know, when there's a you know, forty million pound player beside him. When there's a forty million pound defender behind him, when there's a striker uh, who's guaranteed to get goals in front of him, and I don't want to wish away the seasons in front of us before Newcastle get to that point. But it's just very, very, very exciting. He is just class. He is absolute class from what we've seen so far. He is, and you can see. I think you can see the players around him sort of lift themselves a little bit as well. I thought John Joe Shelby did a good job on Friday night of spinning those balls in around the corner and and looking a bit more like his old self. He he struggled a little bit in the last couple of games, but um, I thought he uh, I thought he did a great job at uh, keeping their their midfield occupied and trying to find those gaps. And uh, obviously Ryan Fraser had to go off early on. Miguel Almiron, you know what he offers? He offers pace and he offers. Uh, you know, determination and, and he'll run all day for you and stuff like that. And Shelby was trying to find him down the channels. Uh, we have to talk about Chris Wood, though. I mean, he's put his penalty away brilliantly. He's won the penalty himself. A fantastic uh, flow and counter-attack as well to get it. Um, I thought, personally, I thought it was one of his better performances in black and white. I know he scored the goal, but all-round play, I thought he uh, he gave those Wolves defenders a lot to do on the night. And, and often play like that goes unnoticed doesn't it because it's not particularly glamorous and it's not headline gla- it's not headline grabbing but it is uh, it is really important to the team isn't it yeah absolutely i mean we were sort of we were fielding questions about whether he deserved to keep his place in the team i mean i didn't i didn't kind of ever think that he was going to get dropped for dwight gale um in spite of eddie Howe's sort of uh, nice words about dwight gale he's just not you know just hasn't figured but there were questions around him, and yeah, I thought he answered those. I mean, I thought the whole team did, um, but I thought he answered those questions uh, very well. He was involved. He did make life difficult for the Wolves' defence, and he took the penalty brilliantly. It was a difficult, you know, those moments are uh, are so difficult now. We have so many delays in the game um, because of because of VAR and and so on and so forth that yeah. everything gets looked at. I think it puts sort of more pressure. But he took the goal. He took the penalty really, really coolly. Delighted for him. I think he's very popular within the within the dressing room, and um, you know a vitally important, vitally important goal. Absolutely, and and Alan St. Maximin, George. I mean, it's it's this question, isn't it? He's 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 not been setting the world alight recently. Um, Chris has been writing about him uh, again for the Athletic recently, and he did slightly misfire on the night so much. But you know, he was he was heavily involved in the move that led to the penalty, that led to the goal, obviously. Um, and and you know, he, he showed little flashes here and there, and there was moments when maybe his decision making wasn't the best. What what did you think about him? 
Well, I mean, I I I agree with what Chris wrote. I I don't think he's in good form. I mean, I, I think I don't think he's in his best form by a long shot. What I really I'll be honest, I still don't think he looks fully fit. No, I don't think I don't, I don't think he looks fully fit. But what was really impressive about what he did on Friday night was that he's he he looked really determined to work his way through that. I thought he put a shift in. I know that's you know that's a massive cliche, but it's not something that he's always. Uh, it's not something that he's always done. I think he worked very hard, and um, you know that was needed. And yeah, he, you know, he 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 tried to do what he can do. There were some moments where it sort of uh, it didn't come off, and there were some moments where it looked closer to to working. But I just I just liked his attitude. Um, it did look much more in keeping with the attitude of the team. Do you think that's you know, and, and the way sorry the to team- jump in, George? But do you think that's anything to do with it being a home game and the, and the crowd being up and and kind of feeling like he has to prove something to the fans? Well, maybe or do you think it's just he's, he's, maybe he's just thought he's a big time player. He wants to be the star of the show. You know that's that's his role in the team. Um, you know we love him for it. He is the one. He is the difference maker. He is the one that can get people off their seats. He loves that. He wants to be the star. And I don't know. He's he's. He's seen players come in in January, not necessarily glamorous signings, but Bruno has certainly come in, and you know it's his name that people are chanting. And I'm not saying he's had his nose put out of joint or anything like that, but the team has shown that it can kind of get results without him. And so the stage was sort of is more set for him at home, you know. And again, yeah, we have to, we must remember, put into the context that. Six of the previous seven games had been away from home, and that's a tough old run for anybody. Absolutely, let, let alone a team that has been struggling uh, near the bottom of the table. And they've come through it, and overall, you know, they've come through that very, very well. So, yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully, he can uh, he can carry on in that in that vein and get back some of his better form. I mean, you would hope that with the pressure off a little bit, that you know, there's a chance for him to do that in the next couple of home games. Why not? Why not? Just before we wrap this little bit up as well, I have to say we need some honourable mentions here because I thought there was a couple of players who uh, had really good games and maybe flew under the radar slightly. Um, I thought Emil Kraft played very well and I thought that was maybe one of his best performances in a black and white shirt. I thought he looked really good, uh, really solid at right back. I thought the lads at the back as well. I thought Dan Byrne, he's had a tough couple of weeks. Um, you know, he's been, maybe he's, you could say he's been at fault for a few of those goals and him and Fabian Scher look great together again. It looked like that... that that partnership was back and firing on all cylinders. Um, anybody you want to mention in particular? I mean, Martin Dubravka, I have to say as well, he didn't have an awful lot to do in that first half. I think he touched the ball twice and then he had to make a fantastic save in that second half as well from from Silva. And, you know, he did what he needed to do when it was required. So you've got to say well done to him as well. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. You know, Kraft isn't, isn't ever going to be uh, a favourite, but I think he's done very, very well in... Uh, in recent in recent weeks, I think he's been, uh, you know, he's 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 become a very solid member of the squad and the team when he plays. Almiron comes on; it's difficult to kind of come on and you know early like that. And again, I like the energy that he that he shows. It's been a tough spell for him, and he did very well. But no, I agree with you. I mean, I think everybody comes out of Friday night with uh, you know with with good marks. Fantastic stuff. A little fun stuff from up as Duncan Alexander just before we go as well. Listen to this, George. This is great. Newcastle United between January the 1st and April the 8th. In 1996, 22 points from 13 games. And in 2022, 23 points from 12 games. Not bad. 
It's but not we all bad. know how well 1996 <laughs> worked out, don't well, we? That's, it's a slightly double-edged compliment, Matt, because, yeah. because you can argue that the first half of 1996 is the biggest fuck-up in Newcastle's uh, recent <laughs> well, history. You fucked the league up. You <laughs> yeah. were as good as that. You were as mean, good as that. Well done. They were a very, very good team at that point. I mean, a brilliant team. The best, I've, were, yeah. the best I've seen. But yeah, I mean, it's not, a, <laughs> it's not necessarily a massive, happy memory, that, because I think that... Spell does include the four three at Liverpool and the two one at Blackburn. Absolutely. Well, everybody loves a start though, don't they? Anyway, we'll be back in just a second with Alex Hurst. See you in a bit. I'll tell you honestly, I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Right then, it gives me great pleasure to say hello once again to Alex Hurst of the Newcastle United Supporters Trust, who joins us live from the True Faith Podcast Studio, uh, which apparently chummy four rivalries are all the rage in football these days, so we have to mention that. Uh, and he's had quite a weekend hobnobbing uh, with the football and elites, and he's now here slumming it uh, with myself and George. Alex, how the devil are you, mate? Are you good? It's good to see you. I'm, uh, I'm really good, thanks, Taylor. It's, it's great to be here on the number one Newcastle United podcast, um, <laughs> and looking forward to chatting to you both about... About all Correct. things positive. Yeah, come on. You should. We should. We should mention Friday night first. I mean, what a what a what a massive night that was for the for the team and for the club. What did did you? Uh, what do you feel about that? How do you enjoy it? Enjoy it tremendously, George. It's 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 weird, isn't it? It's like they're no longer football matches; they're events. You know, and, and I mean that in the best possible way. That I just I just think that those Wolves players walking out into that kind of atmosphere. Uh, like everyone's in their seat at kickoff. It's not like it used to be. Like everyone knows these days because of the flags and because of the team, because of anyhow to get to the ground kind of ten minutes early. And Wolves players walk out, and there's flags on all four sides of the ground. The atmosphere is absolutely class, and they're like, you know, like I, I just can't see a, a situation where Wolves win that game. Forget about the football or the players or any of the, that stuff. Just, just the whole, you know, kind of atmosphere and the whole kind of nature of the occasion Friday night in Newcastle I just thought well, there's just no way we're going to lose this game and that was right and you were I mean I'm, I mentioned Wolves away a little earlier before you before you joined us and just a contrast with Wolves at home can I just take you back to that night six months earlier than the game before the takeover just to remind us all about how shitting awful it was if you must but it's uh, it's worth saying isn't it because it, it, this isn't this isn't hyperbole. You know, it makes for a nice story, doesn't it? But there's so many people who follow Newcastle United away from home regularly who are all having the same conversation that night and the next day. I remember driving back on the motorway the next day, speaking to some friends, just thinking, "What what am I doing with my life? 
why have I done this to myself? And everyone, we're all used to, to watching Newcastle United get beat. It's not new for any of us, however long you've been supporting the club. But it was just, there was just a kind of like, you know, it felt like, you know, the manager at the time is not going to get sacked. He's come out again and said, we've played well. When everyone in the ground, never who watched it, knew we didn't play well, knew we were deservedly beaten. And it was just, it was just one of the lowest points ever because there, there are very few times I've ever felt I'm wasting my time supporting this club in this nature. And that was one of them. And like you say, the kind of the contrast to Friday night, in my opinion, the, the whole of the United Kingdom, I'd include Celtic Park and, and, um, and Glasgow Rangers in this. There isn't a better place to watch football at the minute than at St. James's Park in terms of atmosphere, in terms of ceremony. And that in itself, if you forget about the transformation of the pitch, that in itself is an extraordinary turnaround that I'm grateful to have witnessed. Absolutely. And I mean, a week later after that game, the, the takeover went through and, and it's breathed new life into the club, hasn't it? And and you've recently been speaking with uh, Amanda Stavely and Mia Dedgadusi. Was it a constructive conversation that you had and how did that come about? It was a really constructive conversation and I have to give credit to, to those two people, to the owners and to... Um, Lee Marshall at the club, who who was the supporter, the Arsenal officer, as well as other things, for putting that meeting together. Um, you know, we're very passionate at the trust about structured supporter engagement. It doesn't sound particularly sexy, but it's important that there is a a genuine um, way for supporters to communicate with the people who run the club. And it was great to hear in that meeting that that you know, Murdad and Amanda are are really passionate about as well. I think it's fair to say that they. They have been really open about their passion about the supporters and about the fact that the club belongs to the supporters in their eyes. And they kind of repeated that. And, you know, you know, even before kind of how the meeting went, we're already a million miles ahead of the previous regime, just that the meeting was taking place. And, and you know, they're incredibly busy. I mean, everyone who runs a football club is busy, but they're incredibly busy trying to unpack the mess that is Newcastle United, that was Newcastle United. So to find time for myself, Greg, who's the chair, and Thomas, who's the vice chair, to find time for us to, to spend a significant amount of time with us on a on a match day. Uh, tremendously grateful for that, and it, it bodes really well for the future. We'll kind of come on to ask you about what you what you sort of talked about, but I just wanted to say, I mean, I, I just think that makes Friday such an important moment for the football club. I mean, yes, what happened at St. James's later on that, that night, because that was, you know, arguably that's the game that sort of you know, may, may keep Newcastle in the division, which is obviously massively important. But, you know, it, it sounds like it sounds like sort of such an obvious thing, a, a club and a club's owners meeting its own fans. We know that Amanda and, and Murdad have, have kind of met people socially and they've, you know, done loads and loads and loads of selfies. But <laughs> um, the Supporters' Trust is a democratically elected body. It represents all fans. And to have that coming together of club fans is is just really really symbolically very very important isn't it alex oh yeah ma- massively important and if if we're all on the same page of this football club we're unstoppable i think they know that you know sorry to keep harping on about st james's park in the atmosphere but what what you see there is is a football club where everyone wants the same thing and it shouldn't be too much for supporters to ask for and through the trust like you say um we, we you know <laughs> Football fans can be difficult at times. I can be difficult. I'm a difficult football fan. We all think we know more about the game than the manager and the owners. But what what we, what we want to do at the trust is just provide some serious, genuine feedback from our membership on on, on key issues um, that involve football supporters. So we can't go in there and tell them who to sign or what they should do. Um, you know, if Newcastle are two one down at home with ten minutes to go, but we can go in and talk to them about ticketing issues, about accessibility issues, about match day experience, and 
we're lucky that we'll have a big membership at the trust. We'd like a bigger membership. We'd love every Newcastle United supporter to pay their pound and, and have a voice within the trust and be able to have that kind of relationship with the club um, that makes sure that fans are at the heart of the decision-making process, particularly on issues that directly relate to fans. Alex, with looking ahead to the future and stuff, how are the, how are the trust going to develop that relationship with the club? Is there a, is there any plans in place for going forward? And obviously it depends on the club as well and it's got to go both ways. But what is the what is the view going forward into the future? Well, we, we, we've, we've given them a bit of time up till this point because we knew that when they got into the football club that there was a lot to do. And, and obviously um, staying in the Premier League is absolutely everyone's um, main focus and they deserve tremendous credit for what they've done so far. So we're really grateful that they gave, you know, they, they've come to the table with us. I think we've got to let them get the season out of the way. Um, the summer it would be a massive summer for Newcastle United on and off the pitch. And we would love to develop uh, that, that formal um, structured engagement document where everyone knows where they stand, all fans, whether it's at the trust or other fans group who speaks to them. Um, we would love to get that document in place and also work with them to produce that document so that every single fan of Newcastle United can go on the club website and think, okay, how do I speak to my football club? Um, and then everyone knows where they stand. I think that's really, really important. And the, the point I made to them is that if you look at it, there's so much at Newcastle United that we do, I think, that is better than all other 19 Premier League clubs um, in terms of atmosphere, away support, uh, position in the city, um, flags, home games, let's make um, structured dialogue another one of those things that we do better than all of the other clubs. So whatever they think other clubs do well, let's go one step further than that at least. And, and we're really receptive to that idea. And you guys, you know, particularly through, you know, the, the stuff you've recorded with them, George, in your articles, that's, that's the language they speak about making Newcastle United one of the biggest football clubs in the world. Well, for me, structured dialogue has to be an essential part of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm very confident, but it's, it's, it's over to, to those guys um, but I'm very confident they'll do it. So, I mean, I, I exchanged messages with her after uh, with Amanda after the after the match, and she she sort of said about she talked about how proud she was to sit with the fans last night, one family, one shared love of this great club, and she also said she wanted to sort of she wanted to get across just how much she enjoyed meeting the trust um, and how important that what felt. So, I mean, I'm just sort of you know I just I'm so encouraged. By that, what I mean, what was your biggest takeaway from the from the meeting, Alex? Well, I mean, first of all, I have to say that me and the lads are tremendous company, so I'm not surprised <laughs> you really enjoyed it. Um, that's a joke. No, I can that's vouch for we, that. We enjoyed their that. company yeah, very much. So other people in the room. But yeah, I think our our main takeaway from it that this is real, that this is going to happen. You know, we're kind of old hands at this in terms of trying to get this football club to speak to its supporters, and we've often been told things that. Uh, didn't happen and they knew it wouldn't happen. So uh, uh, in 2019, I got told that Mike Ashley at the end of the season was was, was going to take me and some others for a drink and talk about the fan club relationship. Now, the pandemic happened, but you know, even if the pandemic hadn't happened, that that simply would not have happened. My biggest takeaway is I trust these these guys to, to be good to their words and to follow through on their promises. And I, I genuinely believe them when they say they think fans are important to this football club. It's not just a cliche. They get Newcastle, a bit like the manager, they get Newcastle United and they get what football fans feel and how to um, use us to make the football club better is something that's in their remit and I'm, I'm confident they're going to do it. So the most important thing for me is I trust them. I think they're going to do what they say they're going to do. 
Alex, do you, do you have to keep pinching yourself when you think about where the club was a year ago and where we are now? I mean, it boggles my mind that these conversations are taking place and that we're talking about these things and that you're sitting down with the, with the owners and stuff like that. It's it's absolutely amazing and it's a breath of fresh air. But I think about where we were a year ago and and and, and sort of what we were dealing with and and you know the the brick wall that was Mike Ashley. It must just blow your mind that that we've come so far in such a short space of time. No, very, very much so. It just like George referenced before that Wolves game was what October and we're already at the start of April. So the, the turnaround. It, but you know, you know what it is. It's it's so like it's such validation, isn't it, for all of us? Because we always knew it could be like this. We always knew that the negativity and the oh, you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, we we knew that this football club run properly and run with some ambition would turn into this. So it's not a surprise, and while I do pinch myself, I'm just so grateful, like, for, you know, that that we've been lucky enough to kind of witness this and live through it and enjoy it, and everyone's just happier, you know, away, even away from the football, people can't wait for the games. Town was bouncing on Friday. We were there, um, I was in town quite early, and there was, you know, I think about 11 o'clock, and there was already people in bars and stuff like that. You know, the, the, it's it's just a fantastic, it's, it's one of the best times, I think, supporting the football club in my 15th. Absolutely. And uh, you also took part in the um, a f- a fan panel, uh, round two of the fan panel with Sky's Jamie Carragher as well, didn't you? And a slightly different tone this time round than there was the last time. Yeah, it was it was great. Again, Gary Neville didn't fancy it this time, don't know why, but... Um, Ultimately, uh, I also gave an answer. I think about Steve Bruce, which got cut, but never mind. Um, it was uh, it was good to do, and it's not again. It's, it's just that little bit of change. I think since the Super League stuff, mm. where Sky anyway and other big broadcasters like them have realised that actually football fans should both be able to have a bit of a say about their football club if you're going to talk about their football club lots, um, and also that not not every football fan talks rubbish because you know I, I don't think people like that or some of them had had any respect for fan views but yeah it was nice it's nice that sky want to platform fans and 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 help their coverage you know inform their coverage of what fans are thinking but you know just like this conversation now it's been a lovely conversation and talking about positive things it was the same with uh with jamie carragher on friday he's a he's a lovely bloke (laughs) on and off air I must, I must express huge admiration for Alex. I mean, I do have huge admiration for Alex, as I hope he, hope he knows. But uh, you know, not, not, not only does he have a nine-to-five job, which I'm sure is a lot more than that. Not only does he uh, do incredible work for the trust, and of course, at True Faith, you've just had a new addition to the family, Alex, haven't you? So I'd like to say congratulations to you. Congratulations. But um, are you getting time to sleep at all these days? Oh, thanks very much for that, mate. Very kind words. Um, mate, I get loads of sleep. Uh, to me, it's me. It's my wife who doesn't. So you should be. I'll direct your sympathies to her. I'm absolutely. I'm flying. <laughs> <laughs> good, good stuff. Great. Well, I make. I also. I also make no apologies for. Directing people to the trust, you know, it's a vital, vital organisation. A, a healthy supporters trust means a healthy Newcastle United, and the fact that the trust have now uh, formally met uh, the co-owners of the club, I think, is just is is brilliant and very, very important. There have been, you know, unofficial conversations uh, since since day one and before, but um, just to do that, to do that in person, and to kind of lay out a roadmap for what comes next. Is just is brilliant. So, Newcastle United fans, listen to the podcast who haven't yet signed up. Please consider going to nufctrust.co.uk. That's nufctrust.co.uk. Signing up 
for a quid. You'll find out a lot more about the trust there. If you want to be involved, you can uh, you can stand to be a member of the board. Um, it's, dem- it's all very, very democratic, but please consider doing so. It's, uh, it's really important. Absolutely. Alex, thanks so much for coming on, mate. I know you're really, really busy, and obviously energy levels may not be at their peak at the moment, uh, what with the uh, the new bouncing baby in your life as well. But thanks so much. We always appreciate when you come on and talk with us, uh, and good luck for the future with the Trust as well, and good luck for everything you do with True Faith as well. Thanks, Taylor, mate. Cheers, George. Right then, George, just enough time to wrap things up before we finish. A fascinating conversation with Alex, that though, wasn't it? And, and great that he's gotten the chance to sit down with with the owners. Uh, mad, absolutely mad that this stuff is actually happening to us now. Yeah, just logical, normal, rational stuff. I mean, how bizarre is <laughs> it? Stuff that happens to football clubs. <laughs> the team, mad. the team, the team winning matches every now and again. Uh, the owners talking to fans, just having a kind con- of conversation. Yeah, I mean. It's it sort of joins the list of having the Gallagate windows washed, doesn't it, and um, and things like that. But <laughs> it's it's just it's it's great. It's what a it's what a proper connected football club does and should do. But the fact it's happening, absolutely. You no, know, the fact it's happening still feels strange. You know, it's like it is still like I mention it every week, but I can't get I can't get over the fact that you go to St James's now and everybody wants the same thing. And um, absolutely, you know that is just so very precious. It absolutely is. And this fully joined up coherent football club uh, have Leicester uh, and then Crystal Palace at home and then Norwich away. Do you think there's a chance maybe, George, that we could be safe before that nasty little run of Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal? There's, you know, there's there's points there for the taking. Well, I think that's it. I mean, I, th- I said earlier that, you know, I think you can get you can get odds of 50 to 1 of, uh, you know, for Newcastle going down now. So um, I just think that what happens next is an opportunity. Um, you know, Wolves were on, were, you know, were a very good team when they came to St. James's and they were made to look bang average. There's a chance to do the same thing uh, with with Leicester and Palace. Palace who are having a very good season. They do play some good football. Palace, mind yeah. you, has got them got them playing really good football. But you know, that'll be that's another night game. That's another midweek game. That'll be that'll be electric. And Leicester at the weekend. Yeah, it's an op- it's an opportunity, isn't it? I I just think. I hope that having having sort of got that win under their belts, that there's now an opportunity to sort of play without pressure, to enjoy it again. Norwich, as you say, I mean, and then you know after that it's Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, and you know at this stage that end of season game, Burnley Newcastle, which I'm sure has been in our heads for sort of all the wrong reasons. You know, you would like to think that Newcastle. Um, Newcastle's fate has long been determined. Long been determined by then. But these these are games to these. I hope that these are games to sort of enjoy and relish at this point. Yeah, I've been to that Norwich away game a few times over the years, and I have to say it's the most difficult place in the world to get to. I think you can get to anywhere in the British Isles quicker and easier and with less hassle than Norwich on a Saturday. It's you could get the Outer Hebrides easier than you can get to Norwich. It's ridiculous. Well, I know that very well because my dad used to live in Norwich, so he lived there for about uh, twenty years. So I used to have to go there for my school holidays. I went to Carrow Road. I, I used to go to Carrow Road quite often during holidays, usually to see Newcastle, usually to see them draw one all. 
I've never seen us win. I've never seen us win at Carroll Road. No. Not once. No, I don't think I have. And it doesn't matter what time of year or what day you come home from Norwich City away, there's always a bus replacement service on between Peterborough and Norwich every single time without fail. Yeah, it's like Stowmarket <laughs> or Ely or it's places like that. And even if even if there isn't a bus, the train just lasts forever, doesn't it? certainly does. Uh, right then, uh, let's be honest, George, we've done quite well to make it this far, haven't we? Uh, after the live room oh. fiasco of Friday, I have to bring it oh, up. We can't, we can't, we were being we so, can't not mention this. We've been so pleasant to each other, Taylor. Listen, I know, it's it's nice when we do these little podcasts, but it's just the two of us, because there's no third wheel to take the piss out of. But, George, you have hammered Chris for his technological incompetence over the years, um, so it's only right that we do the same <sighs> to you. Uh, and you're lucky that you've only got me here doing it and not Chris as well. But come on, Friday, we that went sideways so quick. I don't think I've ever seen anything go sideways as quick as that. Yeah, I don't know if anybody... If, I mean, I don't think there were many people listening to the first version of our live room, which I joined <laughs> to find you in the room. And having spent all day posting links on Twitter, I then pressed start the conversation, which I thought was going to allow me to speak to you. I sent out push notifications to the entire athletic site and app. I saw it come up on my phone screen, shouted, oh shit, at the top of my yeah. voice, and then ended yes, it, um, which meant that then our... Sort which of t- destroyed the link. Which destroyed the link and broke the internet. And um, so our tech people at the athletic had to then repopulate. Oh. Anyway, I got through... The- it did take a week off my life. I was like sitting here sweating. Um but then I did enjoy it afterwards. I think we had a few sound sound problems as well. But um but anyway, thank you to everybody you did join us live. I, yeah absolutely I do apologize. And uh, hopefully the next time will be a bit better. But yeah, I've learnt my lesson. Don't press any buttons ever. And, and if and if someone asks you to press a button, make sure you know what it does before you press it, George. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. The live, I thought the live the live room was great, and apparently we 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 spoke or f- spoke two or four over seven hundred people across that little hour, uh, so not bad at all. And I think it might even be more than that. Actually, I might have just been made that number up off the top of my head. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It was great, and we'll do it again at some point if somebody from the athletic <laughs> allows us to. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that might be the big the big the might maybe the big one with that. You but, don't yeah. get to press the buttons no. this time, George. Okay, no. you don't. No, somebody else has to do it. Fair should enough. it be Chris? Chris couldn't even it get. Probably his... shouldn't. No, it probably Chris... shouldn't be Chris either. Should it? Well, so Chris has the opposite problems. If he he if if he presses buttons inside a toilet, he then can't get out of the toilet. So I'm not sure. But if he didn't press any buttons at all, he would just be weighing yeah. in front of the entire train. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to this. Amazing. We might have to just... So just to be clear here, the only person who's allowed to press buttons in the athletic live room is me, a person who doesn't work for the athletic. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to. We might We might have to bring in a professional. I think we might have to. Anyway, fantastic stuff. Right, George, thanks very much. We're going to wrap things up there. It's been great talking to Alex, uh, and it's been great chatting about that Wolves game as well. We'll be back uh, next week, uh, dear listener, and I hope that you can join us yet again. Don't forget, at the moment, our special offer, you can get a subscription to The Athletic with your first six months at just £1 a month at theathletic.com forward slash Newcastle pod. I'm going to go and lie down in a dark room. Uh, George, anything nice? on the horizon for you this week any particular things that you're writing about or anything you want to uh, plug um, so Chris has got a piece coming out this week 
um, about Dwight Gale, Ooh. which is kind of quite interesting because uh, he always gets spoken about uh, very highly by Eddie Howe, how much uh, how much he enjoys working with him, but of course he just doesn't appear. So um, so that's good. I'll be writing something about uh, about Newcastle later this week to be confirmed. Ooh. The the piece about Wolves is still up for people to have a look at, and I will be at the Leicester game this weekend. Looking forward to it. Yeah, Chris is having a few days off, so we do always take the mick out of each other. But Chris, we miss you and look forward to having you back. Hope you're having a good break. You've done some amazing work this year. Absolutely, and if you would like to read some of Chris's amazing work, check out that special offer at theathletic.com forward slash newcastlepod. Anyway, thanks very much for listening. Look after yourselves. If you are in the first week of your Easter holidays and you've got kids off school, best of luck and enjoy your week off. From everyone at Pod on the Time, thanks very much for listening. Bye-bye. Athletic.